Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. So I'm going to see if you can finish this line, okay? Um, maybe some of you grew up praying this prayer as you went to bed at night. Um, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my yeah, okay, some of you did that, all right? Um, and and that, that was a prayer that we grew up you know, reciting as we were kids going to bed, and, and we did that with our kids when they were little growing to bed. And, and um, anybody remember the second line? If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord to take, yes. It wasn't until we had grandkids that I started thinking about what that really was. Take my soul if I should die before I wake? That's not like the best thought to be sending your kids to bed with, you know? I think the guys that invented nightlights came up with that line. You know, that's top seller right there. Um, yeah, it's, it's uh, what does it mean to keep your soul? What, what is that? You ever thought about that? What, what is soul keeping all about? Because um, that soul is not a word that we use very much today. Um, it's kind of an archaic, uh, old-fashioned kind of term, and we don't talk much about that, um, unless you're talking about soul music, you know? But usually, you, don't, you know, we don't talk about that very much. We've kind of actually replaced the soul with the idea of self, and, and they're not the same thing. Um, we're so concerned with someone having a good self-image. Uh, we want someone to be self-sufficient. We raise our kids. We want them to have self-esteem. Um, when you hire somebody, you want somebody who has self-confidence and is self-disciplined and is a self-starter. It's all about the self. And I fear that somehow our emphasis on the self has caused us to neglect something far more important and far deeper, and that is our soul. And so for the next six weeks, what we are going to be doing leading up to Easter is we're doing a series we're calling Soul Keeping. And it's actually based on a book written by John Ortberg um, by that same title, Soul Keeping. And um, this is a book actually that as a staff, as a pastoral staff, we went through and read and studied through together about a year and a half, almost two years ago now. And it was so, um, so powerful for, for all of us as we went through this. I thought, for the last year and a half, I have been saying, we're going to do this as a series. We're going to do this as a series. We're going to do this as a series. But the timing never seemed to work out until now. And I think as we lead up to Easter, this is a great, great time to do it because Easter is all about caring for the soul. And the time leading up to that, which is called Lent, and maybe that's not your tradition, um, but maybe it is. It's all about being prepared for the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. And so what we're doing is we're starting this series. We're going to do it all the way up until Easter, and we're encouraging everybody to get a copy of the book. We are so... um, so, geared toward this that we want, we actually bought a bunch of copies. They retail for $22, okay? You can get them on Amazon for like 14 We are selling them for $10 a piece. We want everybody to get a copy of this book. And if we run out, we'll buy more. Um, but we're selling them at a loss. We just want everyone to get a copy of this and read through this as we go through this study together. Let me also say, as Pastor Jerry uh, mentioned in the video announcements, this is a great time to get into a community group. Um, Every time we start a new series is a great time to do it, but this one particularly, because the care of your soul and and developing of your soul doesn't happen just on your own. It happens really well and best in 
community. So if you're not in a community group, I would encourage you to sign up for one out in the lobby. Um, we're starting some new groups uh, this week with the beginning of this new series. So if, and if you've been a part of a community group but kind of kind of drifted out of it, um, get back into the, your group, okay? Because I think you're going to find it to be most helpful to do all of that. So like I said, for the next six weeks, that's going to be our, our emphasis. We're going to talk about our souls. And, and you might be thinking to yourself, why six weeks? I mean, how much can you talk about the soul? Why is, why is this so important? Why, why are you taking six weeks to go through that? And I'll tell you why. Because it's my job. <laughs> no, it really is. Um, Hebrews 13. Look at what he said. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls. It's my job. See? And they're, they're accountable to God. I take that very seriously. It says, give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be to your benefit. So it's my job to watch over and to help you care for your soul. By the way, did you notice what your part is? To do this with joy and not with sorrow. Your job is to make my job happy and joyful, okay? You do that by obeying, okay? All right, so from today on, go forth and do not sin. If only it were that easy, you know? Um, and actually, that's, that's the whole issue when it comes to our soul um, and the health of our soul. And, and it really is a lifelong mission. So over the next six weeks, we're going to talk about what that looks like. And Jesus said it's very, very important. Um, in Mark chapter 8, this is what happened. Uh, it says that Jesus, verse 34, Jesus called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves Take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Jesus said it's that important. So we're going to take six weeks and we're going to talk about Having a healthy soul and what that looks like. And I want to kick it off with this idea today is just talking about what you need to know to have for, the, for the health of your soul. What do you need to understand about the health of your soul? And the first thing is you need to understand that your soul is the most important thing about you. It is the most important thing about you. Jesus said it is to be valued and treasured. Above all else, he says, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for your soul? In other words, what is your soul worth? He says that it's valued, it's to be treasured above all things. And if it's that important, then we better have a clear understanding of what the soul is. And um, Dallas Willard, in his book, Renovation of the Heart and Actually, John Orpberg picks up on it in the first chap- couple chapters of this book. Is he, he gives us a real good picture of what the soul is. And we talked about this actually about four weeks ago. And we talked about physical health. Um, but it's to understand all the different parts of who you are. And he uses this diagram. And I found it to be very, very helpful. It's, it's not all that cut and dried and, and black and white. But it is very, very helpful in kind of understanding. And it starts with the will. Okay, the will is central to who you are as a person. It's about the decisions that you make. It's about your intentions. It's about your life choices. And very often in scripture, when talking about the will, um, the term is used your heart, about guarding your heart. Because, Because that's kind of the most central part about you. 
And it's powerful. Your will is very, very powerful. Um, Any of you who have strong-willed children that you are raising, you know how powerful a will can be. But it is limited. It is limited. Um, Paul wrote to the Roman church these words. He said, I have the desire. That's a will word, okay? I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Anybody able to relate to that passage of scripture at all? Yeah, he's saying, I have the desire, I have the want, I have the will, but for some reason I'm not able to carry it out. Because your will is powerful, but it is also limited. Now, beyond your will is, is your mind. Okay? And your mind, that's, that's your thoughts and your feelings, your emotions. Okay, that's what goes on in your head. And your mind influences your will. And, and, and that's why um, Paul wrote to the Roman church again, Romans 12 too, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. You've got to change the way that you think. You change the patterns, the thought patterns that run through your mind. Because trying to change yourself by, by sheer willpower, you will fail. Something changes, has to happen in your mind as well, in your way of thinking. So you have, you have the will, you have the mind, and then you have your body, your physical body. And your body, basically, your body is a bunch of appetites and actions. Okay? Your body has desires. And what happens is, um, and what sin is, really, is the mismanagement of your appetites. When the body starts to override the mind and the will, that's when you start getting yourself into trouble. Because your body has appetites and desires that your, your mind knows is not good for you, but your will go ahead and gives in anyway. And, and, and if you a continued pattern of that, that's how people get into addictions and compulsive behaviors because the appetites of the body are running everything. Now, again, your body is in a very important part of who you are. Um, it is the one place in this whole world that you have some control. Not a whole lot of control, but you've got some control. But what brings them all together is your soul. So your soul is the deepest part of who you are, but it is also who you are as a person. It, it's, what, it's what aligns and integrates everything about you. And if your soul is healthy, then your body and your mind and your will are all working in harmony with each other. But if the soul is unhealthy, that's when things start to fall apart. It's the most important thing about you because your soul is shaping your behavior, your mind, and your will all the time. And by the way, the same is true in the opposite. Okay? Your will and your mind and your body is shaping your soul as well. There's this interplay between all of them. And so it's important to have a healthy soul because that then is able to do the integrating of everything. And, and sin, sin is what disintegrates all those other parts of who you are. When the body starts taking over or, or the mind starts wandering in places it shouldn't go. Um, or you start making decisions that are not, right, not wise and not healthy for you. It all interplays together. And when your soul is healthy, then everything works in harmony and in unison. And that's why spiritual disciplines are so important. See, what spiritual disciplines do is I make a decision, thoughtful decision, my mind and will, to bring my body under submission, if you will, to discipline myself. And so I do physical things 
Um, I, I, I carve out time in my week for God. I do different um, activities. I read scripture. I meditate. I pray. All, all of these things, they are training and bringing everything into alignment for the health of my soul. Like I said earlier, some of us were raised in a tradition where we practice what Lent uh, what is called Lent. Um, and, and some of us were not. I, this is not a tradition that I grew up in. But for those of you who, who didn't, um, this past Wednesday was called Ash Wednesday. It is the beginning of Lent. And the idea behind the ashes is to remind us that life is fragile and life is temporary and ashes to ashes, dust to dust. And so it, it's a reminder that there was something more important than my physical life. And then through Lent, um, typically what would happen is somebody would give up something for Lent. Now, I grew up in a neighborhood of Italian Catholics. And so all of my friends, the Delfinos, the Minis, the Lagomorsinos, okay, these were all the kids that I hung out with. And they were all um, uh, 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 Italian Catholics. And so they did Ash Wednesday, and I never knew what they were talking about. And then they would give up something for Lent. But they always wanted to find something they could give up. They wouldn't, that wouldn't be too hard to give up. You know, and I, I was trying to help them, but I didn't even understand the whole concept of it. The concept behind it is that you give up something that is getting in the way of your relationship with God. Something that bodily is interrupting the health of your soul. And so you give that up. You fast from that to pay greater attention to your soul. You might want to do that. Even if that's not your tradition growing up, you might want to for the next 40 days leading up to Easter is to set aside something to say, you know, this is something in my life that is getting in the way of my relationship with God. It is destructive to my soul. And for the next 40 days, I will give that up by the strength and help of God. There's all kinds of physical activities and things that we do that help remind us of the depth of our soul. When we share together on a regular basis, every month we share together in communion. We eat and we drink together. And it's a physical act, but it is a reminder of something much, much deeper. Baptism is another one of those. Next weekend, we're having a baptism here. Baptism is a physical act, but what I'm doing is I am bringing a thoughtful, mindful decision to engage my body in an act that reminds me of the depth of my soul. So if you've never been baptized, this is an important thing. And it's not just getting wet. It has to do with the health of your soul. And if you've never been baptized, I would encourage you this next opportunity, get baptized. Because it's an outward expression, a physical expression of what's going on in your soul. And your soul is the most important thing about you. Secondly, that your soul is designed for connection with God. See, that's the purpose of the soul. It is the soul that connects with God. And we see this even in the very act of creation. All the way back in Genesis 2, 7, it says, The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now, most modern translations say became a living being, but actually the Hebrew word nefesh is is, um, the word that's often used for the word soul, our English word soul. That, That we didn't just become a living being, we became a living soul. By the way, notice... All of the creation story, God speaks, and it is. He speaks, and it is. He calls it into being, and it, and it comes into being. When God creates humanity, he breathes into him. He doesn't just say, let there be man, let there be woman. He fashions, and then he breathes soul into him. Because our soul was made for connection with God. By the way, that tells us a few other things. You didn't create yourself. 
And you don't live for yourself. You were created by God to live for him. You are not your own. See, that's, that's your soul. That's how God created you. You've, all, every one of us in this room have an inner life and an outer life. The outer life is what everybody else sees. It's my reputation. It's my achievements. It's my successes. It's, it's what everybody else sees about my life. There is an inner part of me that nobody else sees. And corners of it are very, very dark. Thoughts, attitudes, things that I let run through my mind that I ought not let through my mind. I can look at you and smile on the outside, but inside, hate your guts. (laughs) Not that I do. I'm just (laughs) saying I could. Because there's an outer life and there's an inner life. The inner life has always lived before God. That's your soul. God sees you for who you really are. And he loves you. He created you to live in this relationship with him. And only he knows what's truly going on in the inner life. The Salinas River, something I just read this week. I didn't, under, didn't know this before. The Salinas River, which flows into uh, Monterey Bay here in California. Um, actually, most of the Salinas River runs underground. And, and only during the wet seasons do we see, you know, the river itself on the surface. Most of the, and the biggest part of it, in fact, it is the biggest, it is the longest underground river in the world. And in the dry season, you can't even see the river running. The only thing that you can see is the trace of the river by the greenery and the trees that grow along that path. There is something deep running below the surface, but there's just evidence of it on the surface. That's, that's a picture of your soul. There's a river running through you. And it is directing the course of your life all the time. And it shows itself in evidence every once in a while. Have you ever, have you ever blurted out something that you knew you shouldn't have said? It was just inappropriate or off the wall or, or just, you know, just downright crass or something. And you just said something out loud and then you went, I don't even know where that came from. You know where it came from? Your soul. It came from deep within. The old 50s, 1950s horror movies. It came from deep within. That's your soul. And your soul exists before God. It was made for communion with God. And the reason it is so important is because far more important than what you achieve in your life or what you amass in your life is the person you become in your life. And your soul is shaping your character, and it doesn't go away. It keeps drawing us. It's the thing that keeps drawing us to God. If you read through the Psalms, it's filled with all kinds of soul language. Psalm 42, um, the psalmist writes, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. He says, there is this inner drive deep within me that continues to pull me in the direction of God. That's your soul. And your soul is most recognizable to you when you are quiet and still. And you set aside the pace of your life and the hurriedness of your life to just be alone with God. Because here's what happens. Here's what I know in my own life. When I am alone with God, I fully begin to realize that he loves me. Not my achievements, not my reputation, not my successes, but me. He sees the real me, and he loves me. 
You need to make time for that to happen. It is your deepest longing. And here's why it's most important. Because as your soul goes, so goes the rest of your life. Your soul is the thing that is driving your life. Dallas Willard, in his book, The Renovation of the Heart, says this. What is running your life at any given moment is your soul. Not your external circumstances, not your thoughts, not your intentions, not even your feelings, but your soul. That is the thing that is driving your life. Your inner life drives your outer life. And if your soul is unhealthy, then your will and your mind and and your um, body are all in conflict. And that's what Jesus is saying. He says, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Now, this is something, this was an insight I had never, I had never realized, I never thought of until I read this book, that what Jesus is talking about is not a destination. He is making a diagnosis. See, for all of my life, I always thought about this is where I'm going to end up. That if I forfeit, if I, if I gain the whole, if I gain the whole world, but don't pay attention to my soul, I'm going to end up in hell. But that's not what he's talking about. What he is talking about is you can live your whole life trying to pursue all that the world has to offer and you will miss out on what's really life. This has to do with the way you live your life each and every day. And if you forfeit your soul, it's not about where you're going to end up. It's how you're living your life now. He says the most important thing you can do is care for your soul because no amount of anything else that this world has to offer is going to make up for that. And we see that over and over and over again. Um, every once in a while on, on TV, I'll watch you know, like the E! True Hollywood story or uh, you know, the last days of and some famous person. And you, you find people who in every appearance on the outside had it made, but their life was miserable because they missed out on what was truly important. And if your mind and your body and your will are not integrated by your soul, they become disintegrated. And that's what sin does. It wears away on your soul. And then everything else starts fighting for control. Peter wrote about it this way. He said, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. He says, if your appetites and your desires are taking control, they are actually waging war. There's this inner turmoil that's going on inside of you. Ever ever felt that way? Just as this inner turmoil, you know, things are not right, but you can't really figure out what it is. It has to do with what's controlling your life. Sin's impact creates this inner chaos and conflict. And that's why it's so important to care for your soul, because when the soul is healthy... Then I am living in harmony with myself and in harmony with God. And my behavior becomes consistent with my values. And my thoughts and my attitudes are truly helping me make the right kinds of choices. And everything is working in harmony. And here's the incredible thing. That if your soul is healthy, then you can still be all right even if everything in your life is all wrong. Because ultimately what's going on is when your life is falling apart, it's who you are that's going to hold you together. Again, the Psalms, full of soul language. David writes this psalm, and he writes it from a point where everything about his life is falling apart. 
just things are in turmoil. You just all a mess. All the circumstances around him. But he says this, when I said my foot is going out from under me, I'm slipping, I'm falling. He's saying, your loving kindness held me up, O Lord. When my worry is great within me, your comfort brings joy to my soul. If your soul is healthy, then you can still be all right when everything about your life is all wrong. And so for the next six weeks, we're going to talk about a healthy soul. And there's a couple of things you might think about doing just from the beginning. Here's just one suggestion. Set aside 15 minutes every day, either in the morning or in the evening before you go to bed, but just set aside 15 minutes every day to review the past 24 hours. And just take some time to review the past 24 hours and say, where did I get out of sync with my soul? That thing that I said, that thought that I had, whatever it might be. Or, or even with that also, when was I most aware of my soul? When did I sense that harmony and connection? And just become more and more aware of your soul. That's maybe a starting place for you. But it's my hope and my prayer that as we go through this together, I think it is going to change who we are as a church and it's going to change you and I as individuals. Because here's the thing, and here's why it's so important for us as a church. Because we have experienced a lot of numerical growth um, as a church in the last four or five years. But it, all this numerical growth, if we are not growing in our souls, then we're missing the point. And so it's been my prayer as we go into this series and as I've been praying about it, that all of us together and each of us individually would just take a little bit more time to be aware of the health of our soul and do the things that will contribute to its health and its growth. So are you with me in this? All right. So let's bow your heads if you would. I want to ask you to just make a determination. Like I said, it might be for the next 40 days of Lent that you, you fast from something that's getting in the way of your relationship with God. That might be what you do. It might be just that 15 minutes every day. But make a decision to do something, to, to slow the pace of your life, to, to be more aware of your soul. And, and just make that a commitment for the next six weeks leading up to Easter. Get the book. Get into a community group. Be intentional about caring for your soul. Now, a necessary first step in the health and care of your soul is that it be in the hands of God. And maybe you're here today and you've never taken that first step. You can. And it's just simply acknowledging your need, your fault, your failure, your sin. Because that's what God came to do. Jesus came to renew and restore your soul. But you have to admit your need for him. He went to a cross and paid a price for the thing that separates you from God. And you can enter into that relationship today for the very first time. And if you've never done this, I'm going to invite you to just do something very simple. To acknowledge your need before him. To ask for his forgiveness and restoration. And to put your life, your soul in his hands. And if you're at a point in your life where you know this is where God has been drawing you and pushing you and prompting you and pulling and tugging you and you've resisted it, but maybe today, maybe today you make that decision. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to do something real simple. Just raise your hand. 
And as you do, also look up and catch my eye because I want to acknowledge you and want to pray with you as we close. Is anybody taking a first step of faith, trusting your life into his hands today? All right. Yeah. So I'm going to invite you all to just make this your prayer. And if it's a first-time decision, prayer is pretty much the same. God, here I am. You know me better than I own myself. You know my weaknesses and my struggles. Thank you that you still love me just the way that I am. Today, I acknowledge my need for you. I am putting my life in your hands. I am asking for your grace and your mercy to forgive and restore and renew me. Today, I want to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.